god, I went to the toilet exactly two minutes before we oh, pressed record. Yeah. Hi guys, and welcome back to another round of Couches and Controllers. Uh, am... are, are we controllers and couches, or are we some other Well, according thing to called... iTunes, we're some other... I can't pronounce anything in Minimus cast. Minimus cast. So, uh, yeah, so apparently something's happened since we were talking in our last podcast about, you know, conspiracy theories. And apparently we got conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> and we got our RSS, um, what's a nice way of putting it, hijacked by someone else. Maybe it was accidental. We don't know. So, um, <laughs> oh, I we got imagine just being like, oh, um, we got shut down by Scientology, but we didn't really. Yeah, we didn't really know. Um, it was just the perfect timing because literally twelve hours beforehand, the bit like the podcast that has gotten us the most traffic, so a month's worth of traffic, in literally twelve hours. Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone else's RSS feed was being broadcast from our iTunes Connect account, even though we have not gone onto iTunes Connect for over a year. Yeah. Because we pay for Podbean, and that's our host. And so I messaged these guys, and I messaged iTunes, well, the iTunes Connect help center. And these guys are like, um, yeah, you know, you just have an Anchor FM duplicate account and you need to contact Anchor FM and, you know, you need to contact them and then contact iTunes and you have the same RSS feed registered to us from another account. And I've gone, I'm sorry, but I use my own RSS feed through Podbean and I have since the entirety of our podcast and it hasn't been changed. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, I don't... Like, they might not have done anything, for all we know. I just wanted them to be like... But don't be like, oh, you've copied, you know, our, our RSS yeah. feed. And also, that wasn't a plug or anything. That was just... The, the... Oh, go listen to them. But, dude, unless you're oh, no, Portuguese, no, in, you're not going to... Yeah, that wasn't a plug for Podbean either. That's that's just... We were just telling... Oh, we're not, exactly. spon- not sponsored. We pay for that yeah, shit. Yeah, we pay for this. So. I pay, we paid like 100 Thirty something bucks yeah, for so. them just to host, yeah, which is fair so enough because they do. do like they're really really good. Yeah, and so, uh, we also got some same. feedback too. We got a few things. Hold on, let me just bring up um, yeah. because everyone was going through to listen to it on YouTube. Sorry, let me just log back in. Um, feedback is good. We likes feedback. We, we likes can, feedback. We can do things with feedback. We can. Um, and. So we have like three comments we're gonna we we's are gonna talk about today. Yes. Number so one. um from sorry, from three weeks ago. <clears throat> no left turns leaves a comment on episode seventeen, mm-hmm. Seven Ancient Wonders, the Great Pyramid of Giza. A couple of morons talking about stupid topics. Exactly. So I'm FMC. I feel like I'm a moron. And I enjoy talking about stupid shit. So, essentially, that's a compliment. So, I don't understand how talking about something yeah. that is going to outlast civilization itself yeah, is stupid. stupid. But then I realise different strokes for different folks. Like, exactly. something... I'm not saying that every... Like, for example, a good podcast I would talk about to explain this is um, 
we listen to Mile High podcasts by Kendall Ray and Josh, right? Yeah. And we enjoy their content, but that's not to say that every single episode I would agree with what they say yeah. or 100% appreciate, like, not to say appreciate, but it's not, that's not content I subscribe for. No. Do you know what and, I mean? I mean, honestly, though, like, we, we tend to get a lot of our news from local papers, local radio, local journal articles, journal articles <laughs> uh, like nature.com, you know, journal luminology, all these ones. I mean, I know there's people out there who like to go to Fox News and stuff like that's, that. Uh, look, but if that's what you—I don't know. If that's like, what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Everyone has their sources. We ain't dumb. Between us, we got five. I'm going to. We're on to our sixth now. Yeah. I'm on to my like not my sixth. Yeah. But we've got six, but almost six between us. So yeah. we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. So. We're just nerds. We're just geeks. And the next two come from the same person, but uh, this person is so awesome. They did so much stuff to help us out. And this is on episode 19, uh, last week's episode, I should say, uh, Scientology part one. And so Xenu Miss Cabbage, as in the Galactic Lord Xenu, yep. space M-I-S-C space Cabbage dash XMC. Uh, two days ago, this person, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's a he or a she or however you identify, so I apologize. Um... But they timestamped it too, which thank you so much. At 51.58, we talked about, I, I, I remember saying something like, I don't know why they call him Nibs. Like, how do they get Nibs from uh, LRH Jr.? And so this guy, like, did research for me. And he got a quote and it says, It was amazing that I even survived for I weighed two pounds, two ounces at birth. I was named Elron Hubbard Jr., but immediately, sorry, immediately nicknamed Nibs for my mo- during my mother's pregnancy. My grandfather kept asking her, "How is his Nibs?" When I was born, they sent him a telegram saying his Nibs is born, so it became and still remains my nickname. So that's a quote from the guy. And then our Lord and Savior Zenu also gave us the definition of Nibs, which is an important or self-important person, usually using the phrases his Nibs or her Nibs as if a title of honour. Um, so they they just gave us a bit of commentary on that and said, hmm, Nibs or Lafayette, they're both crazy names, but I think I'd like to, t- uh, I think I'd take Nibs. And then winky face. So thank you, seriously, for doing my research for me. Like, I didn't even come across that, so thank you. Um, and his second comment or sorry, your second comment, I should say, at the 32 minute 25 second mark was, um, this person learned something for us, from us, and they weren't aware that the the Scientology is connected with the Aussie Pancake Parlour, and he said, it seems that these days they are trying to keep that as secret as possible. Thanks for the info, I'm going to look into that some more. And then they also uh, commented this Vice article, and it's called The Secret History of Pancake Parlour and Its Links to Scientology. and Vice titled it as the urban legend, the company is a front for Scientology, but it comes with a whiff of the truth. And they were saying that the official history of the pancake parlour, um, ignore the floofs playing around with a piece of foil that I probably shouldn't have given. It's clean foil. It's just shiny and they like to play with stuff. Because if you buy them actual toys, that's not good enough for our floofs. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of right. But apparently... Um, they opened the first one up in Adelaide in 1965 and then they expanded into Pancake Parlour as we know it now. Um, and apparently they just make $40 million in Victoria alone. And I'm guessing that would have to be a US number because it's vice.com, but I don't know. Um, and then this article, like I'll link it for everyone in case you guys want it. Um, but 
this article kind of goes on about that history. So if anyone else is interested, um, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. What's new in your life, good sir? Uh, let's see. I explored more options about using software and hardware and the fact that your firewall and your antivirus... Not mine, yours. Mine, uh, yeah. And uh, essentially your firewall and your antivirus can play havoc and it doesn't let you do things. <laughs> so essentially, yeah, that's fixed now. So yay, science. <laughs> what we should uh, preface this with is your computer is that OP yeah. that... It's too good for other programs to run. Yeah, it's like, no, you can run it back all the way. Like, sure, it one runs Windows 10, but it just you, you've got to slow it down so much for stuff to actually run because the, the software just goes, no, no, I can't catch up, sorry, bye. <laughs> and just goes, kapleh. Literally, Kepler. 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 Kepler is a good way to go. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, um, what else have I done? Um, I've been on a cheese on toast endeavor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I have a, I, I think I've worked out the perfect, um, recipe. Does this for... might need to be more centered? No, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe. I'll move over a little. Sorry if I uh, make noise, everyone. But I think probably the... It's got the, the right medium now. I've worked out the right consistency of bread to cheese oh, God. and condiment. So I've worked it out and it's sort of... I've gone past the rubbery texture and just gone to crispy cheese. So, yeah. Crispy. Crispy cheese cream. with a hint of... Which is funny because we rewatched Power uh, Power Rangers. Go, I, was go, about, go, I literally Rangers. was about to say Power Transformers. Or power Formers. And I'm like, that's, that's not right. Could you imagine... Yeah. Um, we rewatched it because it's on the Netflix Australian yeah, catalog. Why and, not? Yeah. You know, it's a uh, a good series. A throwback to my childhood for sure. I remember Did when. Did you hear that apparently the remake they're going to remake it? No, like, I thought it, I heard it. it was a sequel. No, they're not going to do the sequel. But they just brought in the Green yeah, Dude. They're going to oh, do a reboot. They're no. literally going to do a reboot. But I liked, um, especially uh, Jason Scott. Like I really liked the dude. And he plays the Billy Kid in Stranger Things, which is isn't Stranger Kid. When is Stranger Things coming out? And um, yeah, they also brought out a video, or video game, new video game. Power Rangers. Go go Power Rangers! But seriously, when is Stranger Things coming soon, out? Soon, hopefully. No, I, I need better than soon. Let's soon. let's trust our Lord and Savior Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, we are. What's that final? What's that movie we're watching literally right now? Uh, Pause it halfway while I was doing uh, some stuff. Fourth uh, of July, everyone. It comes out on Fourth of July. Stranger woo. Things season three. Uh, Sugar. Um, Netflix. We spoke about it last yeah, week. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And I had this exact same problem. It's got um, what's the dude's name in it? Ben Affleck. Yeah. Affleck. Affleck. Triple Frontier. That's it. Yeah. Weepy, weepy doopy. Yeah. Weepy doopy. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to mention anything else because we haven't really like no. finished it. But don't it... have enough thoughts. It feels like um, what was that one? It's like Triple Nine, but meets um the Italian Job. Yeah. But South American. Yeah. It's like 
welcome to Boston. Like I said, we're literally only halfway through. What we did finish, though, was Hereditary. Yeah. Well, let's say that was awesome. The ending went a little sideways. Like, sideways off the... What? Like, it... It, it it really went down the coven path, like it, it got a little bit. Well, don't spoil it for because I don't want to like spoil it for people because a lot of people wouldn't yeah, have seen we'll it. Watch it. Okay, and so I don't want to give you context. Like you need to, yeah. Essentially, halfway through the movie, Sponge's Robert Quadratic trousers pops in, and you know there's a there's a small song and dance number. Um, you know, Squidworth, he's the villain. Oh, stop. So yeah, he's the villain. There you go. Spoiler spoiler alert. SpongeBob is the is the protagonist of, you know, someone's going to actually watch this and say there was no SpongeBob at all. Spoiler you don't alert. say. Look, really? bottom line, um, it does get quite like it picks up in gore. You think, oh, it's just going to be jump scares and stuff, but they really like. It had everything that thriller and horror, like they cherry picked yeah. a lot of tropes, for lack of a better word, and. Like, it was good, but it wasn't great. Like, I think it was more creepy than it was anything else. And I think that that's what they were going for. Yeah. So, you know, good on them. I, I would give it about a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10? I'd give it probably a 7 out of 10. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yep. I have a new quiz for you today. Yep, done. Um, And you were you literally said this the other day. And you were like, oh, which onion do you think I am? So you know what I did? Done. I consulted our Lord and Saviour BuzzFeed. Um, and the quiz is called Your Shrek Preferences Will Reveal Which Type of Onion You're Most Like. Yep. Bring it on. <laughs> Do you appreciate my dedication to your yeah. cause? See, you have, like, you know, this quiz has layers. <laughs> Ogres are like onions. Ogres are like onions. Alright, so pick a Shrek. Okay, I'm going to pick Confused There's Shrek. Confident Shrek, Human Shrek, Panic Shrek, or Confused Shrek. Confused Shrek. I'm gonna go go. I'm gonna go human. I'm going Confused Shrek. Confusion. Oh, confusion. America, explain. Explain. Okay, so you get to pick another character. You get to go Princess Fiona. In ogre form. Uh, donkey. I'm a donkey on the edge. Uh, puss or dragon. Princess Fifi. I'm going donkey. Okay. Okay. Pick a place. It's um, their house. Yep. You go. The mountain scene. The swamp. Uh, yeah, far, so far away. As in, like, looking up at the castle. Yep. Or the witch, uh, fairy godmother factory. Yep. I'm going to go for the mountain. I'm Good going one. for the swamp. Faux show. Sure. For show. Sure. I'm going to swamp. <laughs> Pick a quote. You know, donkey, sometimes things are more than they appear. I like that boulder. That is a nice boulder. Blue flower, red thorns. Blue flower, red thorns. This would be so much easier if I wasn't colorblind. Not the gun, Japan. Not the gun, Japan. I'm gonna go for that. Is a nice boulder. Yep, that is a nice boulder. Uh, then you get to pick a villain, uh, which is the fairy godmother, Lord Farquaad, uh, <laughs> Prince Charming. Oh, I'm not Just pause for a minute. You were the one, I think it was two years ago, who told me what Farquaad's yeah. name really meant and yeah. how it was a plug for the adult audience. Yeah. And my life came crashing down. But at the same time, I still think Fairy Godmother was a boss ass, so I'm going I'm to pick her. Yeah, I'm going to go Lord Farquaad just because he cracked yeah. me up. Uh, pick a Shrek song. Uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Uh, Hallelujah by Rufus Wainwright. Uh, Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows. 
uh, that were seven, um, I'm a Believer by Smash Mouth. I kind of know which one you're going to pick, but... Yeah, I'm going All-Star. I knew it. That's actually what I'm going to go for, too. Faux show. Pick a Shrek film. Film. Number Uno. Number Due. Number Trey. Number Quatros. I did not realise they made four. Yeah. So there's Shrek, Shrek 2, Shrek the 3rd. And Shrek for Shrek after. Shrek after. Sugar. Um... Oh, goddamn. It has to be the original one, right? Yeah, I'm going number one. All right, hit me with it. With your Samboy stick, hit me. <laughs> okay, so I'm most like a yellow onion. I don't know you suffered from jaundice. Yeah. What does a yellow onion even look like? Let me Google this. It's, it's the one I always use for fry-ups and everything. It's oh, a brown well. onion, Michael. Well, essentially, that's a brown onion. No. Yeah. My whole life is wrong. Yeah, that's a brown onion. Oh, I didn't know it was called... All right, never mind. Well, see, that's the thing, though. A yellow onion looks very similar to a sweet onion. A sweet onion looks like a brown onion. Okay, look, this isn't... No. I got a spring onion. Spring onion? Yeah. Yeah, what's wrong with spring onions? I was just having... Spring onions are good for salads and omelettes. (laughs) That's all you really care about. Yeah, it could have been a shallot. So essentially, like, if you actually think about your onions, the sweet onions, they're what you want to do for frying and, you know, roasted veggies, all that sort of stuff. I like purple onion for roasts. Yeah, but see, the red onions or the purple onions, they're the ones you can eat raw. So that's what we get on Subway and everything and, you know, salads and all that sort of stuff. White onions, um, essentially, we'd use them more for stir fries. And also, um, when we're making massive batches of... Pasta sauce because yeah, they're crunchy and nom, 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 nom. that we sort them down really nice. Yeah, then um, from memory, the the yellow one, um, there's they're probably just like the all rounders. Yep. So like an all rounder, I'm an all round guy. And then shallots, um, essentially, you know, garnishes and stuff. You know, put them in like you know vinaigrettes. Yeah. So, yeah. are we ready to jump into the news? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, so, um, apparently... News. Oh, Jesus. I hope yeah. that didn't annoy everyone with the yeah. ears. Sorry. Um, apparently, a Melbourne couple went hiking on Mount Buffalo on Friday morning. Not an actual buffalo. No, it's called Mount Buffalo. And they went missing the poor things. They were, they, you know, they, were, they experienced hikers. Um, Trevor Salvador, he's 60. His wife, Jacinta Bohan, 58. Uh, they were seen by friends at a caravan park in Bright on Friday, and when, that was when they left about 9.30am in their Skoda YouTube. And they're from Essendon, so they were expected to return to the Bushwalk uh, Reservoir track at about 12.30pm that day. But they didn't return, and their car was still there. However, obviously they're not, because they didn't come back for their car. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of days ago, they f- pretty much, f- these g- poor people, this poor couple, uh, they flagged down a minibus of TAFE students, uh, um, students. at 11.10am at the Buffalo River, which was 9Ks away from where they started their hike. And they said, we basically got lost, and then we stayed in one spot for four nights. So the track disappeared, and we weren't good at spotting the track, and we think we followed an animal track rather than a marked track, and we just got the wrong spot. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, uh, apparently they survived on their rations, which included a packed lunch and some muesli bars. And they stayed near where they could hear speedboats. And they saw campers below them and cows and a dog and lights. 
Um, so they knew they weren't far from people, but apparently there was a 250 foot drop in front of them, like yeah. down the cliff. So yeah, like you're not going to scale that because you have no, no idea. Um, yeah. So they just pretty much kept. Um, what's the reverse of like? Not, I don't want to use the word climbing down, but repel. No, not repel. Like, not tra- you're not traversing. Dive. But like, yeah, let's dive Whee! off a third, a 200 oh, with a freaking rock concept. No, you wouldn't have a skull left. On an interesting note, did you know that the uh, actual, well, mountain of Mount Buffalo was actually named in 1920, oh, sorry, 1824 because it looks like a, a buffalo that is reclining? But How do you know this stuff? Your knowledge astounds me. Um, Apparently, um, I used to go frequently, according to my mother, with my sex-determining genetic donors family. But I don't remember it. And looking at the photos, it looks a lot like... Um, what was that place we went last year, in the middle of the year? Uh, Hanging Rock. Yeah, which and is also, fair enough. Cause so like, the other thing too is, um, I was interested in it in high school because... You did scoutsies. Yeah, and also it's known to have um, peregrine, falcon, peregrine <laughs> falcon nests and bogon moths. So, a really cool thing, too, that I also remember, I think it's, there's... Oh, the ugly moths. Yeah, yeah, the ugly moths. Oh. Like, they look like my face when I wake up in the morning. Um, so... A grottis, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, um, what the, the indigenous people used to do, I think it was the, what was it, the Togarong, um... Aboriginal people, they uh, basically used to hold ceremonies and you know tribal council and all that sort of stuff on top of the mountains. The mountains and um, essentially, yeah. So they'd also hunt the the bogon moths, or you know capture them and eat yeah. them. So because they're high in protein, but also as you, all these listeners listening, if you are indeed listening, um, well Australia is basically just. The flora and fauna is just retarded. I mean, <laughs> if you've seen a platypus, it's retarded. What? Who needs that? It basically looks like a cross between Chernobyl and a, a zoo. You know, like the marsupial, marsupial section. Have you... Sorry to interrupt you, but have you ever heard of the God-making X or Gap memes? Yes. Where they literally just gone, you know... Not the ones where you can slap so much, you know... <laughs> So, the the one for God creating... Oh, sugar, where is it? Let me find it. Oh. So, yeah. God damn um, it. Essentially, a very cool place to walk. I haven't been there personally, but I just found it interesting because um, moths and butterflies, you know. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, also too... um, it makes me think that essentially with all these rocky outcroppings like this and all that sort of stuff, you have a higher amount of rock wallabies and kangaroos. Like the rock wallabies will just climb them. Really? Them. Yeah, they any kind of rocky outcropping rock wallabies will literally just... No, know, well, I guess fair enough. That makes rock. sense. It's just I didn't yeah. really ever kind of think about it. Yeah. So, um, and the occasional wombat. I've actually <laughs> seen wombats in person. Like, not in a zoo. I've seen them in a zoo, but I've actually seen them... You, you literally just let them go. Like, and you never... Rule number one, people, if you approach a wombat... It'll, it'll shred you. And it's in its burrow... You're in trouble. You do not stick your hand 
down the burrow because what they do is they stick their butts out and essentially what their like their hind is just a bony plate so what happens is um, it's a defensive mechanism against foxes because foxes will stick their heads in to try and oh. get them and then the wombats will, will up. rear up and crush their skulls against the the roof of the burrow so essentially what happens is you get um, the occasional new zookeeper who oh, poor doesn't really no. we had the only reason why I know this is because we are actually on a scout trip and one of the zookeepers did it in front um, of you. one of the wombats panicked and we were wondering why there was a you know bunch of like, <laughs> ambulance people, yeah. vehicles but yeah one St. of the John's <laughs> yeah one of the the zookeepers put his arm in oh, to get the wombat no. and it basically broke his hand so it shattered his hand because for it's sure. yeah yeah and essentially you get cases where they'll go to cross a highway and someone's doing 100 k an hour apparently they just disintegrate well, if you hit them, if you hit in the car, yeah, or flip I mean. and go into the trees, because they're like little speed humps. But you hit them, obviously a truck is going to be like a boom. But if you hit him in a four wheel drive or you hit him in a car like a sedan, you're gone. I was told like, that if you hit them going like you know how um, state roads are like one thirty, yeah. I was told that if you hit them, they disintegrate and you just get like bone fragments and obviously like. Well, we had one where we actually knew two guys in a Hilux hit a wombat. In total. Basically, it got them airborne. They veered off the road, rolled, Shit. and went off into the trees. And, uh, yeah, both died. Oh, so, don't. So sorry. Yeah, That's so, um, yeah, because what happens is the wombats try and cross the roads, but when they have paths, yeah. and instead of building the, like, they, they put these, um, like, tunnels... Yeah. Under the road. But they don't put them in line where the, the actual paths the are. They put them further down. The animals are just going to keep... I can't remember which country it was. Was it Greenland or was it Iceland where they've actually made bridges over roads, like wildlife yeah. bridges, so that way they can, like, get just to the other side safely. Exactly. And they're just, you know, really, really wide. And, you know, it creates an ecosystem. For sure. For sure. All right, next news topic on the agenda... Um, Apparently, Google Chrome users needed to update their desktop version of their browser this week as soon as possible because their lead security engineer warned that they had uncovered a bug known as a day zero exploit in their software and it was actively under attack by hackers and um, apparently targets third-party software that you can link to the browser and apparently this bug targets Chrome code directly. Which yeah. isn't the best See, I, thing I don't use Chrome. Me. People keep telling me I should. I use Opera. But I'm like, you know, meh. If, is Linux like a normal browser or do you have to do weird stuff to get uh, there? It's customizable. Like, you need to know what you're doing. So, for instance, you find people who... Okay, we know Apple. It's pretty secure. Um, oh, Linux is all open source. Yeah. So you can do whatever you want. It's basically just an open source software. Yeah. You know, you can do whatever the heck you want. So essentially, if you were to hack a Linux computer, like someone who's operating Linux, there's a high chance they know how to hack you back. <laughs> for sure. So that's why people don't go making viruses for Linux because it's They'll like, just reverse bug It's you. like ramming into other cars in the car park. <laughs> it's not good. 
people don't do it, like it and they get cranky. The best thing. So um, next time we get a phone call and it's some scam, being like, "Oh my god, your computer's broadcasting a virus," and they ask me what browser I'm using, I'm gonna say Linux. Linux. Yeah. yeah I, I probably should have done more Linux. All right. Um, Interesting fact: oh, it was sorry. created in the nineties. Yeah, everything good in IT started in the 90s. Yeah, all the good shows were in the 90s too. Talking about good shows, we still need to continue on with Roswell. You carried on about buying it. Yeah. We bought it. We got yeah. seven episodes in and but then you dumped it. But after we did it. the Denver airport and UFOs and stuff, I got scared. Actually, when has the um, Roswell, New Mexico like reboot started yet? Not yet. Possibly. Maybe it has. I think it has. I think it has. Yeah. You know, probably is. So, yeah. Oh, apparently it started on the 15th of January. <laughs> we'll get around to it. Yeah. So, um. Woo woo. Woo woo. We've got to get them all working. Um, next topic. Uh, Microsoft announced the next lot of games that is going to the Xbox Game Pass. Um, so, Just Cause 4 came out on the 6th of March. Just Cause. Uh, Lego Batman 2 also on the 6th of March and apparently tomorrow F1 2018 and Fallout 4 are coming and look I I had this dilemma where I was researching like I saw this come up and I've gone how much is an Xbox Game Pass right because you go you pay I pay for my account you pay for your account as well over what is it it's like 80 900 is it because Xbox, yeah, PlayStation is 70, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like 70 something. How much is? It's 10.95 a month. So it's not like it's not too bad. It's not too bad, but it's not great either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like make it $5 for members or something. Yeah, it's something not Because also too, then it comes down to conversion rate. Yeah, and Australia, you get the increased GST for streaming services. Yeah. <laughs> we pay tax on our tax. Which is bullshit. Yeah. But what are you going to do about it? Oh, dude, I saw this article come up and I freaked the absolute shit out, especially because you actually, we drove past one of these sites and you freaked out when we went to the All You Can Eat. Apparently, they found three new illicit chemical dump sites in Craigieburn. Wow. One of them was the one where you were like, that dirt doesn't look right. Like, that mound shouldn't be there. Like, what on earth is happening here? Yeah. And so apparently WorkSafe went um, to the three one like to three warehouses um, and they suspected to see large stores of chemical waste. And apparently this ripped open an uh, industry investigation. Apparently there's a syndicate. Dumping shit. Because yeah. Because it costs so much. To actually correctly dispose of chemical waste. Here's my question though. Would someone have the money to buy that? And if they bought that, could they use it for something? Possibly. Depends on what the waste is. Uh, If we're talking about... I couldn't find what the waste was from memory. I mean, if someone's dumping like, you know, your yellow cake or something. No, Jesus. Um, But apparently they have security guards that are now camping out following the raid... Um, apparently, like, it's in a built-up residential area, so it's within a kilometre of homes. Yeah. And two case from Mary Creek, which literally goes all so the way... what's the 
stop that from like leaking that's what i'm saying leaching right and then that goes into the northern suburbs and that feeds into the arrow which eventually turns out is it the snowy Um, or it goes the other way it goes into the port but the thing is we're talking about 1.5 million liters of chemical waste yeah that is a a ton of shit literally more waste than the current upper and lower houses put together and so, um, yeah, apparently and this, this guy, the owner of these warehouses, he's from Wallen, which is like, oh, yeah, I'm fine because I'm, you know, 40Ks the other way. Um, his name's Graham Leslie White. Um, and obviously, like, I can't, we're not going to get sued from it because it's not only public knowledge, but yeah. also he is the owner of these things. So he may not know any idea. Yeah. But if you're heading up the hazardous waste business and transport and logistics and you're the registered owner of this company, how do you not know what your employees are doing? Yeah. Because that's a lot. That's... That's a ton. Like, if it was one warehouse and the guy's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm not based out of this one. Here's the thing, though. They found, like, these ones. What about the other ones they don't know of? For sure, dude. For sure. And, I mean, these containers are absolutely... Just. They just look disgusting. Like, imagine if they caught fire. Because one burnt in Epping last year or something or other, didn't it? Well, there was one in Footscray in August last year. Yeah. And that was and the last bus they that tried That was to a do. massive one. And how many days was that burning for? Just kept burning and burning and burning and burning and burning and burning. Ugh. Talking about just keeping burning. Um, an asteroid measuring 150 metres in diameter or 450 feet skimmed the earth on monday evening um apparently they dubbed it the nasa asteroid 2019 cm4 and it made a close sorry an earth close approach it zipped past they only discovered it a month ago could you imagine if we only had a month to prep for doomsday yeah but you know they say ah it was close i'm talking like oh yeah it got within five meters i mentioned that an asteroid got within five meters. I think at that point you kind of go, uh, "It's over." Yeah, I think I shat myself because the gravity would put it pull it in if yeah, it was five like, meters away from our atmosphere. Boom. You know, oops. oops. I don't know. You know, just one of those things. You know. Oh, and also, I'm actually gonna remind me to put these pictures in on our Instagram account for the thing, but I saw these and I nerded out. Apparently, uh, NASA has been um, tr- testing uh, air-to-air photographic technology in flight because they wanted to kind of photograph shock waves, and they captured supersonic aircraft in flight with shock waves like merging together as they're obviously on their flight plan, um, and they photographed the sonic boom, like the sound waves that form the sonic boom. And um, apparently they're going to try and use this to figure out how to make like commercial flights quieter um, and all that stuff. Of course they want to be quieter because they want stealth aircraft to be stealth. But also with this technology, if someone say, you know, if something explodes, that's going to obviously... You're not going to hear someone dropping something. No. But generally, you know, it's more a case of detection. If they can see it, they can hide it. Oh, for sure. Um, but over here, I guess we also have, um, it's not sonar, sonar's underwater. Yeah. It's radar. Radar. Sorry. 
But when you see the patterns... They yes. just... What am I saying? Oh, sorry. I should have prefaced with... They just look fucking cool. Yeah. And it's just the way you... you they see, split. Yeah. Like the, the aerodynamics of it all. It's just, just so uniform. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's pretty it's cool. It's almost like the planes are just piercing... Oh, for sure. The barriers. Yeah, very Piercing cool. the barriers. Piercing the barriers. Talking about piercing the barriers, um, apparently the UK Space Agency just committed another £25 million. Pounds, That's what you want. Uh, to look for alien life. So oh. Chris Skidmore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so you probably could be one of the smartest people on the planet. Um, like he's a science minister and he uh, is pretty much looking to launch a space observatory to look for rocky exoplanets that are orbiting the perfect distance from their own sun to give a fighting chance of life. They're calling the mission PLATO, uh, which stands for Planetary Transits and Oscillations of Stars. They're going to use 26 small telescopes and cameras to act like the compound eye of an insect to stare at up to 1 million nearby star systems. Apparently, they're looking for telltale dips in the brightness of stars that suggest a planet has just flung in front of it, um, and then their instruments will be able to separate that and see which planets sit in the Goldilocks zone. Uh, and then they're going to try and look at the chemical makeup of the atmosphere of these planets and hunt for signs of gases such as methane, because we all know that that sort of indicates that life is living. <laughs> life is present. Um, so, yeah, you know. What you gonna do? What you know about it? Pretty much just if you get, I suppose, that kind of boost. Twenty-five million pounds. No offense. Like, good on you for raising that kind of money. Something else with that, though. I mean, I understand what they're doing, but I was also reading something today where they want to dim. They like the scientists actually figured out a way that they can potentially dim the sun. That's not good. Dimming no, the sun they isn't helpful. Figured out how they can safely dim oh. the sun. Do, do, That's like ramping up daylight savings. To I don't them. want daylight savings. Do you understand? I want yeah. daylight getting rid of. Yeah. I like cold weather. Um, I also read. I don't have the facts with me. I'll have to bring them up for next week's episode. Um, just before we jump into our last story, apparently there's. Within the next 50 to 100 years, there's going to be that much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that clouds aren't going to be able to form. That's not good. Without clouds, we don't get rain. I couldn't find... Like, I didn't have the time to look for the actual paper it came out of, so I didn't think to include it, but just because we were talking about other stuff we read. Yeah. Um, last but not least, the news before we jump into our main topic for the day. Um, so... I don't understand why this wasn't a forethought before they committed millions of dollars into research and, um, I don't know, traversing Antarctica and potentially damaging it, but what you know about it. Apparently, they didn't know what made the icebergs in Antarctica green. They do look really cool, though. So, apparently, it didn't make them think that Organic material, when in ice, turns green because yep. of the way the light diffracts uh, because carbon is, like, yellow and then organic material, kind of, like, with the blue sheen of the ice, it looks green, yep. for lack of a better term. Um, so, apparently, they needed to 
contact the Journal of Geophysical Research Ocean, and this guy called Warren and his colleagues found that uh, the marine ice at the bottom of the Avery Amory Ice Shelf has 500 times more iron than the glacial ice above. Now, just the just the basic chemistry lesson for you. Um, what element is iron? Oh, fuck. What element is green? Rewind. Delete. What element is green? What element is green? Well, I always think uranium. Non-radioactive. Think about powders. We have them in the lab. Mm, Fountains. Fountains, right? Yeah. What happens when they oxidize? Well, they start going green. Right? So So I was like, oh my god, is it iron, is it copper, right? Um, but apparently there's iron underneath the rocks of the Antarctic ice sheet, which is kind of scary that now we're getting to the rocks at the, you know, ice sheet, but whatever. And apparently because the glaciers are moving because they're not, they're dynamic, they're not like static. And as they like, not float, but as they grind over and move over and slide over, they grind the, um, the, the, the ice sheet grinds the rocks down and it forms a powder and then that ice then kind of like oxidizes because obviously it's got oxygen in the water and it when it contacts the seawater and then that forms iron oxide which turns green when light scatters through them Mm -hmm. and then um apparently now this with all the global warming that's happening this means that iron is going to start to increase, which means there's going to be more, um, like, f- plumes of algae. Yes. Correct. Which, you know, increases the growth of phytoplankton. I mean, will that help the whales? Probably. Uh, probably. I mean, yeah, should. I mean, if, you know, certain whaling vessels don't wipe them all out... Well, they can't in Antarctic waters. Yeah. But how long will Antarctica be left for? Well, technically... Uh, I don't know how tall the highest point on Antarctica is. Hey, Siri. How tall is the highest point in Antarctica? Antarctica! Apparently, <laughs> Mount Vinison is the highest peak in Antarctica with an elevation of 16,066 feet, or for all of us metric believers out there, 4,897 metres. Which is a decent uh, height. When you think about it. When you think about it, wouldn't you expect the caps of the planet to be taller? You, you would, but they're spread out all over the place and they're constantly on plates that are shifting. Look at the Galapagos, for instance. Do you know that apparently within two generations of um, finches, they saw two different species come up? Like, that's how fast um, evolution is happening there yeah. right now. And actually did you pour your water without adding your tea bag? Yeah, I did. Good job, buddy. Good job. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Good. Hey, do you know what the largest desert in the world is? Australia. Antarctica. Well... I say Australia because at least there's more water in Antarctica. <laughs> well, technically it's not water, it's ice. Yeah, true. 
Alrighty, hoity toity then. Are we ready? Born ready. I think I said that last time. Yeah, I know, right? People you need new material, mate. You need new material. Today we're going to pick up with the second ancient wonder of the world. We should get like these crazy sounds like. Well, dude, get on it. Yeah. Fund it, Michael. Fund it. Fund, fund it. the sounds. Fund the sounds. Get a sounds. soundboard. Make it happen, dude. Bow. You're the one with this massive computer that you brag is too good to run anything. Like, yeah. make it happen. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about a second, um, second oldest ancient wonder of the universe. Yep. <laughs> and the universe and of the world. Uh, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. So, as always, what do you know? Uh, basically, it was sort of a city... Well, think of like a, a city construct. So, essentially, like ancient Greece. Like, look at the, the remnants and yeah. all that. And all the gardens used to flow through the whole city. city. So, all these hanging gardens. So, all the... Um, banisters and terraces all the gardens and everything just it was essentially massive feat of engineering <laughs> like Don Burke got nothing on this Bunnings has nothing on this we don't mention Don Burke Sorry, anymore yeah. Bunnings um, <laughs> and essentially the whole city just looked like a green city yep so, Greenland too Greenland too alright um, are we ready Yes. Okay, for the bio. So the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were the second oldest wonder of the ancient world and believed to be constructed at around 600 BC. Its existence is still unresolved today, but it's believed to be built by the Babylonians or the Assyrians, which are two Mesopotamian kingdoms. It's unknown what destroyed the garden. They think it was destroyed at around the 1st century AD. It's believed to be located at is now modern what at what is now modern day Hila or Nivina in Iraq. It was called the Hanging Gardens because they were supposedly built high above the ground and, like you said, uh, split level stone terraces. Uh, and like also, like you said, a remarkable feat of enge- I almost said genetic engineering. Yeah, that's not it's right. CRISPR, <laughs> the CRISPRs of Babylon. Uh, they had ascending. A series of tiered gardens that contained a wide variety of trees, shrubbery, and vines, and apparently resembled a green, a large green mountain constructed from mud grips, grip, grips, bricks from uh, the ancient city itself. Uh, the name is derived from the Greek word kremistos or overhanging, and that has a broader meaning, more than what modern day English translation uh, hanging. And refers to trees being planted on raised structures such as a terrace. Because, good job, Greece. You needed a word for that. But yep. okay. Uh, I'm not bagging them because they're my people. But whatever. Uh, so according to one legend, the Hanging Gardens were built alongside a grand palace known as the Marvel of Mankind by Neo-Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar II, who ruled between 1605 and 1562 BC uh, alongside his Median wife, Queen Amelitis. And she missed the green hills and valleys of her homeland. So you know what this dude did? Kind of like the Taj Mahal yeah. king. Let me just build it for you, honey. Yeah, like We can just yeah. do it, right? And apparently it made the head priest, whose name at the time was Barosis, 
to write about it in 206 BC in a description that was later quoted by this other guy called Josephus. The construction of the gardens was attributed to the legendary queen Semiramis. So I don't understand how some people are saying that this guy made it for his wife, but then they're saying this other queen, Semiramis, who allegedly ruled Babylon in the 9th century. Um, and then that means that the people that believed that call it the Hanging Gardens of Semiramis. Yep. So I don't know. Like No one can agree which one it is. Uh, and it's the only one of the Seven Wonders where the... Exact location has not been definitively... Are you really spinning that with your finger? Yeah, I'm trying to recreate the Hanging Gardens of Babylon in my tea. It's called Biological Theory. Okay, then. Yeah. So it's the only one for which we can't exact... Like, we don't know exactly where it was built. We have a rough idea. I think the other thing, too, is because... Okay, mud brick. Okay. Gardens, which are plant. So... Essentially, they're not going to last. The actual plants are not going to last. No, not at all. They're just going to be wiped out. Yep. If they're not maintained. Yeah. So. Who knows? Like masters. (laughs) Oh. Oh, burn. That's a slow burn. Continue. Thank you for your permission. So there are no Babylonian texts that you can reference or go to to receive any evidence uh, three theories have been suggested to account for this. One, that the gardens themselves were purely mythical and the descriptions uh, represent a romantic ideal of an eastern garden. The second theory is that they, if they indeed existed in Babylon, they were completely destroyed sometime around the first century after, uh, AD. And the third, uh, a legend refers to a well-documented garden, the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, 704 to 681 BC and he built his capital city on Nevia on the river Tigris near the modern city of Mosul which is within a close cult, like uh, radius I would say to where they think it is today but all in all no one knows if it's real no one knows if it indeed was real where it was and no one knows if it was indeed real and it had a place upon which it was built what happened to it see the other problem too is um Archaeologists have trouble finding these. Um, and think about robbing. Purely because, um, for instance, the ruins of Nineveh are in Mosul or Mosul, which we know are a little bit dangerous to be in. So is it because they're war torn? Yeah, war torn. So essentially, the only real way you'd be able to sort of try and gather more archaeological evidence is to go deep, go there. but you can't. But there's a higher chance that something's going to happen, so it's too dangerous yeah, to go Yeah, for there. sure. And, and obviously t- a lot of that's going to be destroyed. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, like, say that we don't, not to say we should have right, but we don't have right to go do that. No. And anything that is found there belongs to those people. Yes. Because it's theirs. Do you know what I mean? And also, while I was researching for this, just because you mentioned it being destroyed, do you know how many conspiracy theories there are of, oh, the Americans found it when they went to Iraq and they just burned it down? What? Like, oh, yeah, they were paratrooped into the village and, you know, they burnt it down because they didn't want 
the you know the um, Western world to find out about it, or they just destroyed it and they didn't really know what it was when they got there, so they just burnt it down or crushed it or whatever. Which is a bit dumb. But whatever. Wouldn't be surprised. I mean, did they have oil that they were were they watering like, so the plants with oil? Note, if America finds more oil in America, does it invade itself? Have you heard of Texas? <laughs> you try invading Texas, and you tell me how that goes oh, for you, Texas mate. Texas was where the hanging gardens were. Do you know that Texas? You don't have to pay income tax in. So essentially, go to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I like my guns all big like Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so the actual size of the gardens, allegedly one ancient historian called Herodotus, he claimed that the walls were 56 miles in length and were 320, 320 feet high and 80 feet thick. So basically just... Is this a fortress? It looked like a ziggurat. But is this a fortress? Yeah. Right? A fortress, A garden fortress. And then people say, contrary to this, his belief and, you know, his published work, archaeological finds prove that the walls were only about 10 miles in length and nowhere near that high, and the exact size of the hanging gardens is believed to have been quite immense. But how can you tell me you know how high, how tall, how thick the walls are if you're telling me, A, you don't know it ever existed, and B, you don't know where it was? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Right. There's a lot of conjecture. And there are five people who reference the gardens in their writing, I guess you could say, in provided descriptions. However, the only thing that anyone can really agree on is the design of the city, would you call it that? Yes. And their means of irrigation and the way that they were built. So we spoke about Josephus earlier and Barosus and um, all those earlier priests. And they mention that, um, you know, they pretty much give credit to the Nebuchadnezzar, Chednezzar II. And, you know, they give, their source of credit is this guy. And they say that, you know, he built the hanging gardens because his wife missed her homeland. So he wanted her, you know, this is your new home. I want to make you feel like you're at home. Here you go, right? Here's some, imagine that as a Valentine's Day present, like, whatever. So, apparently, you know, he erected these very high walls. Everything was supported by stone pillars. They planted a pensile paradise. They replenished it with all sorts of trees as things died because obviously they're in the desert, right? And it was an exact remembrance, resemblance of a mountainous country to gratify his queen because she had been brought up in Medea and she was very fond of the mountains because it was her homeland and he wanted to replicate that for her. This other guy called Diodorus Siculus, who was active between 60 and 30 BC, he consulted allegedly a 4th century um, BC text by Clariatris, uh, who was an historian of Alexander the Great. And uh, I think it's Cestius of Snidus. Which, I don't understand why they put things with C instead of S. But what are you going to do, right? Greeks. And they say that it was constructed by a Syrian king. And that the garden was in the shape of a square. And each side was approximately four plethora long. And then you're going to ask me, how long is a plethora? And I'm going to tell you that a plethora is 10,000 Greek feet. 
So the garden was tiered. The uppermost gallery was 50 cubits high. You're going to ask me how much is a cubit. Let me tell you now. A cubit is uh, something between 440 and 529.2 mil or 17.48 and 20.83 inches. And it's based on the forearm length. So from the tip of your middle finger to the bottom of your elbow. So anatomical variation for the win. For the win. Yeah. Um, the walls were allegedly 22 feet thick and were made of brick and the bases of the teed sections were sufficiently deep to allow root growth for the largest trees and the gardens were irrigated from the nearby uh, Euphrates. Then we have Quintus Sirtius Rufus, uh, who's apparently from the 1st century AD and he drew on the same sources as Diodorus and he stated that the gardens were located on top of a citadel. I, on a side note, I really do like the word citadel. Yes, yeah, citadel. That's separate. Uh, and he said citadel, that it was. Citadel, buy a dell, break a dell. King's citadel. Landing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, where was I going with this? Uh, and he said that the, the citadel was 20 stadia in circumference, and a stadion is a method of surveying in which distances are read by noting the interval on a graduated rod. Intercepted by two parallel crosshairs. And it's mounted in a telescope of a surveying instrument. And the rod's placed at one end and the distance is measured at the other end. So, whatever. Um, I guess I can put an image of it down for you. That's what surveying is built upon now where you've got like the laser and it measures, like it shines to the thing and you can read it on the rod. Um, apparently that's how they did it, but you know, how good were their telescopes back then? Just imagine if there's a telescope that is buried in conjunction with some, you know, I don't know, I suppose. <laughs> like you're talking about an ancient Hubble telescope? No, I'm talking about maybe that's the key to the gardens. Maybe there's something in that particular telescope that when you... Oh, the gardens are underground! The gardens are underground! <laughs> well, think about it. Maybe, like, the hanging gardens aren't actually hanging. Maybe they're underground, so they hang... Who knows? Atlantis. <laughs> underground hanging garden. It's all, you know, bioluminescent. Well, for sure. Well, yeah, I'm not disrefuting your dreams. Hollow Earth theory. Oh, look, that's another dragon for another day that we need to slay. Um. So, again, this Syrian king, again, they say suggests that they, he built it for his queen because she missed her homeland. Then this dude called Strabo in 64 BC to 21 AD, he uh, described it as and stated that the gardens were watered by means of an Archimedes screw and that led water into the gardens from the Euphrates River. And uh, apparently it's referenced in a handbook to the Seven Wonders of the World by Philo of Byzantium, which is a writing in the fifth to the fourth to the fifth century AD. Sorry, I forget that BC is reversed backwards, but AD is the other way. We're twenty nineteen AD, aren't we? Yes. That's how it, yeah. And uh, then there's this other guy called Philo of Byzantium, <laughs> also, uh, who said that the method of raising water by screw matches the described. Um, technique is Strabo 
and he praised the engineering and ingenuity of building vast areas of deep soil which had tremendous mass so far above the natural grade of the surrounding land as well as irrigation techniques. Irrigation? Uh, let me guess, we're about to talk about the Archimedes screw. Or are we? I don't know, maybe. So it's unclear whether the hanging gardens were an actual or poetic construction because there's no documentation and there are hardly any like all the sources are contradictory right apparently uh nebuchadnezzar's wife amelitis or amelitis um there's no record of her or any of his other wives there's only a political marriage to a median or persian um sorry in a political marriage though would not have been unusual there are records of Nebuchadnezzar, yet uh, his inscriptions do not mention any garden. The gardens that were said to exist at the time were kind of regarded by as from being written by people who had visited the town, yeah. visited Babylon itself. But there's this guy called Herodotus, and he described Babylon in his histories works. And he didn't mention the hanging gardens at all, but then people said that maybe he didn't mention it because the Greeks didn't know they existed at that point in time, and maybe it was like this big secret, and only certain people were allowed to visit, allowed to enter it, and it was all very hush-hush. But again, we have no archaeological evidence of anything. It's A lot of people believe that the evidence is buried beneath the Euphrates, and you why would you want to go there? Like, just let people live their lives. We've already, you know, conducted enough turmoil for them. Yeah, it's sort of... A lot of this stuff is buried for a reason. So, apparently they were able to do some excavations and they found traces of a vast system of aqueducts which were attributed to the century by an inscription on the remains. And get this, it was an 80k or 50 mile series of canals, dams, and aqueducts. That's a lot. Yeah. And obviously, again, they carried water to uh, Nivea, and they also used uh, water-raising screws, so basically um, Archimedes' irrigation. And uh, to raise, you know, water up where it needs to be. So uh, there have been some recent developments in contemporary Akkadian inscriptions, and I have no idea... Who the Akkadian, what, um, who, what, where, when, why, and how? But the Akkadian Empire was the first ancient um, empire of Mesopotamia. Yeah. And they, in their language, um, Babylon means gate of gods, and it was applied to several. Like, so they named many cities Babylon, which isn't really helpful. They say that Sennacherib renamed the city gates of Nivea after gods because he wanted his city to be considered a Babylon, so therefore a gate of gods, right? Yeah. Uh, Josephus says that Nebuchadnezzar, the king who built the gardens, who they say for his wife, that uh, he may have left inscriptions, but none of them mention any gardens or engineering. Uh, the guy who said that maybe it was a Syrian king there's no like description about anything there but again we still have the engineering so that part like the water irrigation so that part still kind of stands up 
So all in all, with all the records, um, apparently there's this battle of Guagamala in 331 BC by Alexander the Great and this arsehole who camped four days by the aqueduct of Jerwan. Apparently historians travelled with him and they would have had ample time to investigate it, right? They would have been there and they would have seen it. They would have been close enough to see the gardens but they didn't record anything so people are saying well they either didn't exist or by that point in time they were already gone yeah but then people are saying oh no they were taken down by 1 AD so that's 331 years roughly unaccounted for so me no no maybe they were built later in time but who knows so apparently the garden was known for not just its beauty, but it was a year-round oasis of lush green in a dusty summer landscape, and they had marvelous feats of water engineering that maintained the garden. And don't forget, like if it's the desert, they're constantly like if things are dying, they're allegedly pulling it out, shoving more green shit in the ground, yep. and you know building it. But apparently there is a tradition within the Assyrian royal family that they build gardens. And so there was this other king, uh, Ashunarispal Ash- Ash- II, and he reigned between 883 and 559 BC, and he created a canal and that cut through mountains. Like, I don't know how big the mountains were, but this enabled him to plant fruit trees and, or, I guess you could say, or, or, orchids? Orchards, that's right, orchards. And pines and cypresses and junipers and almond trees and date trees and ebony and rosewood and olive and oak, tamarisk, walnut, uh, terebinth, ash, fir, pomegranate, pear. And, like, you need to have proper soil and water to grow pear. Yeah. And grapes and figs. And so, me no no, apparently they have an original panel of um, a sculptured wall in the British Museum, like a drawing of a, this, what they believe. I don't understand because they're like one original panel and the drawing of another are held by the British Museum, although neither is on public display. So how do you know what they have if it's not on? And how, if it doesn't exist, how do you have a panel? Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Apparently, the uh, it would have been made out of massive limestone blocks because they want flood defences, and parts of the palace would have been excavated. Um, sorry, <clears throat> in the mid nineteenth century, um, Austin Henry Layard he excavated parts of a palace that, um, like this king. Ashurnasiripal's palace and his citadel plan shows contours which would be consistent with the guy's garden but its position hasn't been confirmed so they think was the garden in fact a military base yeah. for them but uh, and then once a war had was no longer a threat did they convert it to a garden or something like that or was it like a playhouse for, you know, all the military dudes yeah, and all that sort of stuff. But either way, having so much plant stuff there and between droughts and famines and everything, they would have constantly needed to upgrade their water supply. Yeah, 
because that, the amount of water that they would lose. Yeah, for sure. And apparently this Sinner Cherub guy, like, he would brag and he was really happy, like, good on him, dude, for the technology that they had at the time. And, um, like, why are they inscribing stuff, right? But apparently they inscribed automatic sluice gates and enormous aqueducts and crossings and, like, they constructed stuff with over 2 million stones, right? That's so we're talking stone. a ton of stuff. And they used waterproof cement. Like, how then in, we're talking, like, we're talking about 331 BC, you know, with pre-331 BC. How are they making waterproof cement? Do you know what I mean? Well, I think someone knows some... I mean, you've got mathematicians and archaeologists back then that are going to be just paving the foundation for what we have now. So, it's just like, how would you go about creating the moisture barrier? Oh, I guess because they had limestone, so they thought it would just, you know, I don't know, but I hear you. But also, if it's the desert, are you going to have much moisture? No. Um, oh, you asked me that question. Here we go. But is that known as Roman concrete? I don't know. Uh, all it said was waterproof cement. Because I'm, I, I remember someone saying about Roman concrete being um, hydraulic settings. Oh, I, I believe you 100%. I just don't Something know. Something like that. I, I can't remember. I think it was like I learned that playing settlement <laughs> civilization or something. But um, I think it was to deal with um, salt and ash. So you'd mix salt water oh, with ash. ash. Yeah. And um, that would help cement everything together. Yeah. I get it. Oh, it makes sense. For yeah. sure. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but then you get things where Romans were using um, volcanic rock. Ooh. Well, you think of the area. Because it would have been really like, fertile. Yeah. So essentially, that was the secret to the durability of the cement. Yep. So, yeah. It's, yeah, I understand. And that's why a lot of the foundations now are breaking down because of oxidation. Oh. I mean, look at how much. Like you know, the, um, what do they call it, a gladiator fighting pit? The Colosseum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, just hypothetically, how much cement do we make per annum? But making cement produces carbon dioxide. Um, so essentially, how much, like, what percentage carbon dioxide are we actually putting into the environment? For sure. Um... At uni, like, we have free parenting and stuff. I I had to use it three times this week. Once, because a PhD student asked me to print something because he was going to teach myself and two other students. And he sent me something that he wanted me to print, right? And that was... So, it was... The print job was two pages, right? But I printed it as double-sided, black and white. So, that was three pages worth of stuff. I had to print... Um, something to give to my supervisor and then she asked me to print a copy of my lit review which is in itself 24 pages because she made electronic comments and she wanted to write on them right mm -hmm. so a total of 38 pages that was 0.2 percent of a tree 254 grams of carbon dioxide and with that amount of energy 
I could have run a 60 watt light bulb for 15.9 hours. How cool is that? How scary is that? It's, it's that doesn't scary. even take into account like lecture notes or anything. Like, Talk about improving. Did you know that drinking lime water actually uh, improves digestion? Do you know, um, apparently, know random, but, you know. apparently drinking this, like, I, dude, is it drinking this water bad for you because uh, it throws out all the ions? Uh, but then I guess like people can argue, oh, but we were a very salt based society anyway blah 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 but apparently drinking distilled water if you leave if you leave a glass of distilled water out in two days it's still going to taste the exact same yeah so how does that work is it because you boil all the oxygen out no it still has oxygen in it because if you boiled all the oxygen out not like all the oxygen out but do you know what I mean like it's all all you're doing in distilling water is it's getting rid of like all the you're just heating it yeah and then Anything like triple distilled water it just goes through and you're collecting the evaporative yeah you know, evaporated water oh sorry the the condensed water yeah so it condenses then you heat it and then it evaporates and then you can collect it and condenses and collect it yeah so back to water um apparently babylon rarely received rain so for the garden to survive, it needed to be it would have needed to be irrigated by the Euphrates. And that would mean lifting the water as far as the walls. Yeah, thus the Archimedes screw. Yep. Um, and if it wasn't the Archimedes screw, it would have been done by a chain pump, which is two large wheels. One sits above the other, they're connected by a chain, and on the chain a bucket. So it's the typical like medieval yep. you know, um, kind of lifting water up and kind of like a conveyor belt. So, you know, what you know about it. Uh, apparently they also said that there would have been a pool at the top of the gardens. So kind of like you can release floodgates yeah. into channels so they could act as artificial streams and then that would water the gardens like so. Kind of like, you know, I don't know. That's that, that's really smart if indeed that was real. Yeah. So, uh, but here's the thing, slaves yeah, lots would of have had to have been manning the handle to provide the power to be moving any kind of contraption, yep. whether it be the chain buckets or the screw, right? So, if indeed this thing did exist and you solved your irrigation problem, how do you make sure that the liquid doesn't get to the foundation of the structure? Yeah. And because it was uh, stone, like, where are they getting stone from in Mesopotamia? Like, this is in ancient Egypt. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, back then, a lot, of the a lot of the architecture was reported as being brick, which is composed of clay, chopped straw, and obviously baked in the sun. And they'd join all that together with bitumen and um, any sort of, like, slimy substance they could get to kind of act as mortar. And those kinds of bricks would immediately dissolve and disintegrate when you mix them with water. Yeah. So they think that... So this is a double-sided thing because you can say, oh, because it didn't rain often, you know, it wouldn't matter. The bricks would survive because it didn't rain. But then you're telling me they have their own artificial lake up there and they're freaking 
pumping gallons of water up this 55 foot wall yeah where's that water gonna go like the dirt's not gonna hold all of it the plant's not gonna drink all of it all at once you know what i mean it's gonna just go out yep and all kaput but you know what what do you know about it so archaeologists and historians they you hear it every other week we found it's like atlantis you know we believe we found where the ancient gardens were but no one's ever found any physical evidence and that has led people to believe that ultimately the gardens may just be a myth so even though it's referenced in all these texts and people refer to the plants as floating um maybe people just lived in a city and they just hung plants in what were then baskets to make like an oasis away from the sun yeah if you're living in the desert and it hardly ever rains do you know what i mean yep and that would have given the idea that because the city is built so high and it's like a military fortress if you want to lean lean to that idea um that you know it looked like it was a hanging garden terrace but indeed it indeed wasn't you know that they were suspended in the air but maybe they weren't if the sizing is right, historians estimate that the gardens would have used 8,200 gallons of water a day to water the plants. So that's a fudge ton of water. And you can't... That you the, can't maintain that. Even if you had a fleet of 100 slaves, you're not going to be doing that, right? You can't. So people say that um, the most likely reason that the gardens are no longer with us today is because war or erosion or an earthquake and because of its height like maybe and the like the weight of it all on mud bricks like maybe it just collapsed upon itself yeah um and then you know it like that weighs a lot and um apparently the pump that everyone says oh they used Archimedes screw it was made in 3rd century BC, but if a similar system was used in the gardens, they would have made it 350 years before Archimedes designed his screw. So it's like... What comes first? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And Why have I just double-typed my notes the same? I don't know. Um, so everyone kind of says that Maybe the gardens were just there as, like, someone, you know, people just really liked gardens back in the day. And maybe it was actually food because, you know, um, it was kind of near the Fertile Crescent. So, uh, you know, they could have easily gotten um, crop seeding, seedlings and stuff from the Mediterranean and then, you know, made it like it was a town garden and all that kind of stuff. And maybe richer people lived in that area, like more noble. And they say it's, you know, a royal garden palace. So that would also provide strength to that kind of argument. Um, But yeah, no one can really kind of get the dates right and stuff doesn't line up. So I ultimately don't really know. Um, I think a lot of people like to think, oh, it's fabled. But I don't know. I think it's real. It just doesn't add I think, up. doesn't add up. I think the amount of maintenance that would have been required to actually maintain that 
say if there had been an earthquake or something. It's all over. It's all over because a lot of it would have been on pillars and stuff as well. Yeah. So it would be very articulate. Uh, sorry. Articulate. Well, it's, no, it's in <laughs> speech. Um, so architecturally... Um, Sound. Fine. So to, to get the flowing effect of the gardens and hanging down, everything's going to be high up, terraced yep. out, pillars... And if anything had happened, it would have just all crumbled. Yep. So that's all I've got for you today. Look, I like you. I would like to believe that they're real. Yeah, I think they are. Um, I would lean towards more like it was a palace. Do you know what I mean? Like, or it was a like a a noble's kind of village, and that they were growing their food. Yeah, because there everything's stuff. Like, it would have been a combination of both um, fauna and flora. So they would have had a lot of birds and everything. Oh, yeah, of. for sure. Like, build it and they will come. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that's all I have for you today. Yeah, no, that's really cool. So, apologies if it wasn't a topic you were... Next week, though, is one of the topics you've been begging me to... We're there. Like, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but get excited. Get excited. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so um, that was very cool. It would have been nice to see it intact. Or if someone could go back in time. Imagine then... if they had clippings. Imagine if something you planted was like Descended crossed from there. From Babylon. Yeah, that'd be cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. Isn't there a TV show called Hotel Babylon? Yes. Do we have it? No. We don't have it. Oh my god! It finished into it's ten years over ten years old that TV show. Jeez. Yeah, from nineteenth of January two thousand and six to fourteenth of August two thousand and nine. Poor. Fair enough. Fair. All right, that's where I'll leave it for today. Awesome. Got anything else you want to add? No, that's uh, all from me. Yep. So um, yeah, no, that was uh, awesomely done. So thank you. Thanks for. For bringing that one on no no worries anytime um have a good week everyone um stay safe stay control z yep stay and um i'm kind of like really tired so i just might save this on a usb share and hit the hay i think because i'm wiped it's been a long day yep very long day and um normally it's still light outside when we're recording this right now and it's winter like I'm not complaining but yeah alright everyone I'm just joking about say your goodbyes yes uh, thank you for listening um, I'm FMC or Full Metal Chicken and uh, yes I'm a moron and <laughs> I like talking about stupid shit so um, because for me that is interesting and for everyone else who also enjoys listening to interesting stuff thank you for stuff, sticking around yeah, much appreciated Thank you for everyone who's um, finding us and interacting. It's yeah, it's really cool. cool. We're really appreciative and, you know, it's really awesome. So, yeah, have so a great thank you very much. And have a great week. Au revoir. Au revoir. Goodbye. And, yeah. and um, may the odds ever be in your favour. Yes. And, um, yes. Can you stop fingering your eyebrows? Uh, I was watching a show where someone was doing this funny stuff. Yeah. Anyways, that's... Is that uh, a neighbour? Taking a bin out. Yep. They've been Didn't there. Did they before. know that it was yesterday? Well, unless they're taking a bin.
it sounds empty, so yeah, they're bringing them in. Yeah, my hopes and dreams. And on that note, <laughs> uh, we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Au revoir. Signing out.